0: friends, I'm Anna, and I'm Renee, and you're listening to Fangirl Happy Hour.
1: Today, we have some feedbacks and updates for you, and then we're going to discuss Ever After, a Cinderella story. Yay! The greatest Cinderella movie of all time. And then we have some Cinderella-themed recommendations for you.
0: It's gonna be great. I can feel it in my nuggets.
1: Eleanor sent us a very nice email that had nothing to do with me begging for emails. Nothing at all to do with that. It was just a nice friendly email. Part of it said, I really appreciated your discussion of reviewing in the latest app. I'm not great at written reviews, so if I review on Goodreads, it tends to be quite short and only if I have something specific to say. I do better on my BookTube channel, but still rarely do individual book reviews. It's interesting to hear about the process from the more verbose people. Anna, I'm assuming that we're verbose people. I'm assuming that's us. Do you think So this is where I spoil Anna's secret and tell you about behind the scenes at BookSmugglers HQ, where Anna, if she has to review a book, reads the book, and then the day the review is due, writes the review, and then posts it, and doesn't do any edits.
0: Am I supposed to be ashamed of it?
1: No. You're supposed to be proud, because that's an achievement. Me over here, the English as a first language person, is like, I need to write, and then I need to edit it five times, and then I need to change the end, and then I need to panic quietly, and then I can post it. And then I can panic again, in case I did something wrong. We have two d- very different styles of reviewing.
0: Thaya does the same thing as I do, too. It's not only me, it's the two books smugglers.
1: How do you have the confidence to do that?
0: Or is it confidence, or is it no fucks to give? Always is that the same thing as Confidence? Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Now that I think of it. I think it's fine to review things in a short way because that's the way that the community is moving. So, in fact, if you read short reviews, you're actually more likely to get read versus me, who's like, oh, 4,000 words, that's not much about this 50-page novella.
0: My reviews are getting shorter and shorter, for sure. It used to be around thousand words my reviews nine hundred thousand words now it's coming down to 700 words which is still longer than most reviews out there do you know what happened this week i wrote a review that had one over a thousand words and then i get i got 10 comments on it people actually having a conversation about a review that hadn't happened in years it was beautiful it's just everybody just Talking about the book because everybody just either wants to read it or have read it and loved it too. They just want to talk about it. It's Jane Unlimited, by the way, which I've already praised, but I would like to just praise again. You've punked. This whole thing was so that so I could just talk about Jane Unlimited again.
1: I wonder if you'll find a way to slot it in anywhere else here. We'll see.
0: Is Jane Unlimited a retelling of Cinderella?
1: No. <laughs> What did I just say? She found a way to split it in another way, and she just did!
0: I have unlimited ways of talking about this book.
1: Well, Eleanor, let me put it this way. I think reviewing individual books is not as effective as it used to be, and in fact, shorter individual book reviews are better unless you're doing a critical essay, in which it could be longer. In fact, if you do... Reviews or videos about books in a list, I am way more likely to watch it because everybody loves a list. True. I didn't even know you had a booktube channel, and now I'm going to have to go track it down. And then we got an email from Leanna who sent us a butt ton of webcomic wrecks. It was so nice of her because this list must have taken forever to compile. Part of the email said, in episode 90, You briefly mentioned wanting to know more about webcomics. I'm a big fan of webcomics and a lifelong reader of manga and graphic novels, so I was really excited to make you a list of some sci-fi, fantasy, queer, inclusive, and feminist comics. Some of these don't fall into every category, and plenty of them I'm not caught up on, But I guarantee that these are all excellent works, and I do not doubt that you will find something to love about all of them. First off, I'm a huge fan of Sparkler Monthly. They are an independent publisher of female gays comics, fiction, podcasts, audio dramas, and a visual novel. Most of their content is available for free, but those with a monthly subscription receive updates a month in advance and contribute directly to the paychecks of creators. Here are some other works that I think YouTube might love. And then she gives us a list. I will put links to all of these in our show notes so everybody can find them and benefit from this amazing list that Leanna sent us, because we should not be the only ones benefiting from it. It's amazing. So Leanna, thank you very much for your list. We really appreciate it. Anna, do you have any updates?
0: On December 19th, the last novella for this year's novella initiative is coming out. It's Girl Reporter by Tansy Reina Roberts, you know, a friend of this podcast. And one of my authors at Books Mother's Publishing. And the novella is just so much fun. It's in the same world as Cookie Cutter Superhero and Kid Dark Against the Machine. But a few years later. And it follows a millennial vlogger called Friday Valentina. And she is awesome. She's young. She's bisexual. Out and proud. She has a super cool mom who is this amazing reporter who disappears one day and she needs to go and rescue her in another dimension.
1: That's not super cool.
0: It is super cool. You all have to read it.
1: I have no updates, although st- I still want some found family recs, guys. The rec form will be in the show notes. You can do it.
0: Girl reporter is totally a found family.
1: But it's not out yet, so it can't be in the list.
0: It can't be on the list. It can totally be on the list.
1: Not when it's not out.
0: People can pre-order it. Wink.
1: Ever After is a 1998 movie directed by Andy Tennant, and it's a retelling of the Cinderella fairy tale. Starring Drew Barrymore and Dougree Scott, also with a cameo by Toby Jones, who we all know as an evil dude from HYDRA. He was the evil computer in Captain America Winter Soldier. What? Really? Toby Jones was the little weaselly servant who was plotting with Rudmilla.
0: Absolutely. I know him through other stuff in British television. I thought, when you said the villain, I thought it was the guy who wanted to buy her.
1: I don't know know that actor, although he was well cast. To put our discussion in perspective, I went and looked up the Rotten Tomatoes score for this movie, and it is appropriately at 91%. There's like another score, it says 84%, but we're going to ignore that one and go with the higher one. So 91% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is accurate. I would have given it a 94, but whatever. Who's going to split hairs when you're in the 90s?
0: Oh my god, the hair in this movie. The princess hair is just so terrible. The gray scout. No. No.
1: You don't like that 90s feathered look?
0: No. What was I doing when this movie came out? I think I was with my douchebag ex, so I probably did not watch it at the movies. But I remember watching it at the time, so maybe when it was out on DVD. I really, really loved it. I've always loved this movie.
1: I watched this baby on VHS. Wow. I owned a VHS copy of this film, and I wore it out. I loved this movie so much as a kid, which was maybe weird, because I didn't like fairy tales much as a teenager.
0: I was thinking about this. If I can trace back my love for fairy tale retellings to this particular movie... And I think it's well possible that it was. But it's interesting because I haven't I haven't rewatched it in many years. And this new rewatch really showed me certain sides that I had not clicked on before. Certain parts of the story that just went completely over my head.
1: So the film opens with the Brothers Grimm going to meet an old lady in a castle.
0: Which I completely forgot that was the framing for the story.
1: She was like, I really like your stories, but I was really concerned about your tale of the little cinder girl. And then she pulls out a slipper and she's like, would you like to hear the real story? I'm going to tell you. And you're trapped here because I'm an old lady and you had to respect me. Listen, I love this old lady. She's in the movie for like two minutes total. But I'm like, what's her story? Can we have her movie?
0: But it pisses me off then that after, even after hearing that the Brothers Grimm go ahead and never write down Cinderella's true story. So that's bullshit. So that's another man li- not listening to a woman. Down with patriarchy. The end.
1: <laughs> Maybe she didn't want it to be corrected. She's like, let's just let them have their privacy.
0: No, I disagree with that. I don't think that that's what happened at all. I think it was all the guys that <laughs> were assholes. Brothers Grimm were assholes.
1: I never read like the original tales. The ones that are super dark and grim. <laughs> Brother Scrim. <laughs> <laughs> the reason I think I liked this movie so much when I was a teenager is because of how 90s feminist it was.
0: What do you mean by that?
1: There are so many parts of this that feel like my early understanding of feminism. Like how Danielle and Gustave interact with each other, Danielle's manual labor, and Danielle's mouth, and the way that she interacts with Henry. It's hard to pinpoint it because there's no one line to point to to be like, this is what I mean. It's just a feeling that I get. Like, a very basic feminism was inserted into the character of Danielle for this film to make her stand out from the other women who were trying to chase a throne or whatever else. I liked her character when I was a kid. That's what drew me back to the movie over and over and over again. Her mouth. Especially when she tells Henry that he's an arrogant douchebag.
0: Completely. She speaks truth to power without fear of consequences. It's naive feminism, I would call it. That lack of fear is naive. I think that's the best words that I have. I'm not saying it in a negative way, but it's perhaps... A very rose-colored lenses through which to look at the world. Like, she can just change things because she wants it. Even though she has hardships, too.
1: I did enjoy that this movie was, like, European fan fiction. Not sure what was going on with the setting.
0: He's the king of France? Which king of France, exactly? My my dudes. Messieurs. Which Henri are we talking about?
1: But they sound English.
0: Oh, yeah, of course.
1: Are we in alternate reality France right now? And the beginning where Leonardo da Vinci enters the scene, who was the historian who was consulted for the spell?
0: No historians were harmed during this film, apart from all historians who were harmed by watching it.
1: It's such an amalgamation of things. They're like, I'm just going to pick from this over here and this over here, and we're going to roll into a ball and make a Cinderella retelling. And I'm not picking on it because I still really love this film. I think it's excellent, even though historically it's a mess. I
0: like the framing as the old lady telling the story of her great-great-great-great-great-grandmother to the Brothers Grimm.
1: Only two greats, Anna.
0: (laughs) I liked that the movie took time... Even if it was just one, basically one extended scene, but it really developed the relationship between Danielle and her father to the point where we really felt when he died. Of course, Angelica Houston is such an amazing actress that we actually could also see that she really did love the father, even though she was awful about it because she was so, I don't want to say ambitious because being ambitious is not a bad thing, but she was willing to do anything it took. To get power. Or not even to get power, but to feel empowered. I would think there's a difference there because uh, I feel that when the father died, she was left alone again after having been alone with her two young daughters as a woman at that time. So I guess it's understandable. But she really mistreated Danielle.
1: And I did like that they developed her and Danielle's relationship, except they did it in a way that didn't redeem her like there's a scene later in the movie where danielle is brushing her hair and they have this very intimate conversation that's also very hurtful but goes a long way to show that with very little effort she and danielle could have been a family but she chose to be monstrous to her it was an active choice that she made because danielle was always willing to love her
0: and I would even say that this is one of the strongest relationships in the movie for me. And the ending of their relationship, the last scene between them, has one of the, my favorite lines in the movie, which is when Danielle tells her that she will never think of her again after that moment. And that is so strong. Also really cool when Danielle walks in the room and she's the queen. And I'm like, yeah.
1: <laughs> Sorry,
0: that's very petty.
1: Well, whatever. Everybody likes to see a villain get their just desserts. I saw a comment recently, why is Danielle hooking up with this prince when she should be hooking up with her, like, hot stepsister? And I was like, wait, did we watch the same film? Because Jacqueline, who is the mousy sister, I guess, that's how she's characterized. Rabnella and Marguerite are dead set on hooking Marguerite up with Henry and getting... Marguerite on the throne, but Jacqueline is kind of like the cast-off sister who spends all her time worrying that she's going to become Danielle and be treated like they treat Danielle.
0: But don't you think she redeems herself in the end?
1: She does, but she also victim-blames Danielle?
0: I never felt them to be a couple at all.
1: Well, Anna, you're not in fandom, so you wouldn't.
0: But I also don't don't really ship Danielle and Harry because he was such a douchebag she was so much better than him she should have just i
1: don't know she improved him a little bit
0: a little bit
1: she got him out of his head where he was spending entirely too much time
0: yeah she did by questioning him and by talking about social economic and political situation of his kingdom social justice 101
1: looking back from like what i know now based on what i knew then Like, some of the things that Danielle said in this film back when I watched it the first time, I'm like, that's amazing! Teenage me was so...
0: Those are the things that I never looked at. At that point in time, yes, I loved it for Danielle, but I loved it for the romance. And I shipped them, and now I've seen it with a completely different outlook.
1: The romance isn't even the point of the film for me anymore. Like, I go to the film to watch Danielle stand up for her family, like that scene at the very beginning... Where she goes and she brings back Maurice. Maurice and Danielle and the rest of the servants like run into each other's arms in the field, and it's so sweet.
0: It was so nice. Yeah, it was super sweet.
1: And the scene with Da Vinci and Danielle in the house at the end of the film, where he was like, I'm going to make you wings, and Danielle threatening that creep with a sword
0: she saves herself in the end like there is no waiting for the prince to come and rescue her
1: i really liked that he showed up as she walked out and she's like what are you doing here she's like he's like well i was coming to save you and it was awkward i did that <laughs>
0: totally totally amazing and then she rescues him at that point in the forest where she carries him over her shoulders
1: I wonder how they filmed that scene. Like, I wonder if Drew Barrymore really did pick that guy up and just like carry him down on set. I'm curious if they actually, if she actually did it, because that would be really funny. And it has such funny scenes, like where Da Vinci is trying to walk on water with shoe boats and scares the shit out of Danielle.
0: Oh she's so great. I love Drew Barrymore.
1: I've always loved her.
0: I think she's great at comedy. She's great actress. Like that quote where, with the, with the social justice one hundred and one, where she teaches Harry to look at other people. You make thieves out of them, and then you punish them.
1: In that scene, there is an older courtier who is looking at them, and she's watching uh, Danielle speak. They really make a point of showing her face and showing her going like, "Oh," and like approving of. Danielle's opinion, and then at the very end of the film, where Rodmilla has been stripped of her title and is trying to find somebody to speak for her, that same lady appears again with, like, this disapproving look on her face, and I'm like, wow, that is some great continuity. Also, what did you think of the wedding scene?
0: Oh, with the Spanish lady crying her eyes out. Yeah,
1: I love that they were like, the captions on my copy of this film were like speak Spanish, and I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? What is she
0: saying? She kept saying, por favor, no, por favor, no.
1: Is that all she ever said?
0: I think, please no, please no, yeah.
1: Because she started to say something else to him like, after that.
0: I don't remember.
1: And then she was like, and then she shouted when Henry was like, yeah, go on to your bald lover over there. <laughs>
0: Uh, Yeah, because that's exactly how a marriage between two monarchs would end in the 16th century in France.
1: I'm sure it would, yes.
0: That's exactly how it is. We are both historians, and we can corroborate this.
1: (laughs) Very accurate. Although, let me be honest, I skipped all of European history. There was a secondary romance in this film between Jacqueline and Laurent, who uh, was one of Henry's... AIDS. That's cool. We're gonna pair the fat people together. I was not excited about the commentary about fat people in this film, or how the insinuation that fat people can only be attracted to other fat people, or I was not pleased.
0: Well, she was fat-shamed quite a lot throughout, wasn't she? Her mom, too.
1: On the plus side, the film did finally come down on the side of her at the very end, where she was like, I'm just here for the food, and Laurent over in the corner is like, oh yeah, that's my girl. Like, they set it up and then they subverted it, but still, still. Strangely enough, I don't really like the very last scene where Da Vinci, where he displays the picture that he drew. I don't understand why. I don't really like that scene anymore. I loved it as a kid, but as an adult, I'm just like, eh. Why? I don't know. It just feels like it falls flat a little bit.
0: I think it's because that is a very famous Da Vinci painting, right? Or drawing. So they just want to make a point that that's actually based on Danielle. That's one of his most famous um, drafts.
1: Oh, really? I know nothing about Da Vinci, so...
0: They wanted to be clever and historical.
1: This was a history grab bag. It was like, we're just going to go to the history store... And just start throwing stuff into the cart, and then when we get to the end, we're gonna go home. and We're gonna put all the ingredients into a bowl and mix it up and bake it. And this is a movie came out of the oven. Ever after, so great. I know, I love it.
0: Did you ever watch the Disney movie, the cartoon? Yeah. And did you ever watch? Did you watch the re- remake that was made two years ago, three years ago? I did not. It was exactly like the movie, the like the cartoon, and it was terrible. Especially comparison to Ever After. Like, she has no agency whatsoever. And it's just... It's awful. I hated it. So Ever After is the superior Cinderella.
1: The other Cinderella that's great is the one from 1997, I think, with Whitney Houston and Brandy. If you haven't seen that one, I highly recommend it. What? Yes. You should go watch it. What's the name? I think it's just called Cinderella. Um, but yeah, it stars Brandy, who is an R&B singer. And Whitney Houston is a fairy godmother. It's great, and it has, like, an Asian prince charming. What? Yes, go look this movie up, Anna, and watch it. Like, if I think about my other favorite straight Cinderella remake, that would be the one I would choose. So what is your favorite part of Ever After?
0: I think it would be the moment where she saves herself from the guy and then walks out of the castle. And also the ending with her stepmother (laughs) vindication. What about you?
1: If you'd asked me, you know... Back when I was a teenager, I probably even like the fireside scene where they play rock, paper, scissors, and then make out a lot. But I think my favorite scene this time was, is when she and Henry go to the library. Cause I just think they have this really great conversation and Danielle shows how smart she is. And that's when she really makes Henry start reevaluating himself. I love this movie. It's so charming.
0: Also, one extra space bee for Leonardo da Vinci as Fairy Godfather.
1: That is true. You're right. I didn't even think of it. And you're correct. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> How wonderful. <laughs> Did you not realize that? I just didn't think about it. He makes her the wings
0: and lets her out to go to the party. He's the Fairy Godfather.
1: How many decades was this film... I've rewatched it and rewatched it and never made that connection.
0: (laughs) You are welcome.
1: Thank you, Anna. How many space bees are you giving this? Five. You're giving it six. I'm giving it five regular space bees and 10 stealth space bees for the Fairy Godfather thing. Because I didn't even realize space bees. Is this your favorite adaptation of Cinderella? If it's not, what Cinderella remake or retelling do you like the most? Let us know. Okay, Anna, it's summer recommendations. What do you got for us?
0: I was going to say something else, then I changed my mind, because my favorite Cinderella retelling, I have published it. I have been lucky enough to find it, to edit it, and to publish it. It's The Case of the Little Bloody Sleeper by Carolyn George. We call it, in-house, our Cinderella Noir series, because it's the first of three novelettes. It follows a private eye called Jimmy Prince who finds a bloody sleeper after he dances with a lady called Ella at one of his mother's balls. She disappears. He has a bloody sleeper and he has to find out. And it's in a world where there are, it's kind of like a noir, a mystery noir, and there is a disease that is affecting people and that is a major part of the plot, But Ella in this story is a queer Indian assassin for hire. And Jimmy Prince is a bisexual main character who narrates the story. He needs to find out what happened to her. And she becomes a major character in the other um, novellas too. I love it so much. And I highly recommend it, obviously. Because you published it. It's online. You can read it for free. So you're welcome. What about you? What's your favorite cinema? Even though you don't like retellings that much?
1: I don't like retellings that much, which means my rec is not a straight retelling. My rec is more like fanfic. Of course it is. <laughs> Cause I like remixes and reimaginings better than I like straight retellings. My rec is a mini series called The Tenth Kingdom. Have you watched the Tenth Kingdom?
0: I have no idea what that is.
1: The 10th Kingdom came out in 2000, the year 2000, on TV. It was a TV miniseries back when they did those kind of things. It's about a father and a daughter who live in New York, and they're poor, and they're struggling, and they get sucked into a parallel universe where the three great queens, Snow White, Cinderella, and Little Red Riding Hood, have all had their kingdoms, and they have had kids, and their kids have had kids, and now the kingdoms are having a lot of infighting, and this is all happening on the eve of Snow White's grandson's ascension to the throne. I love this miniseries so much. It is so over the top, and I need you to watch it with me so we can talk about it.
0: Oh my god. You just did that on purpose, didn't you?
1: I did. I think you would love this if you like campy stuff. The main character, Virginia... It's played by Kimberly Williams and she has a, has like a romance with one of the villains turned good guys.
0: Ooh, now, now you have my attention.
1: And he is a wolf. And in the beginning of the miniseries, he tries to cook her grandmother. So if you've ever wanted to see a old lady tied up in a cooking pan, feel free to watch this miniseries because that happens. Alright, tell everybody what we're going to talk about next time.
0: Ooh, next time we are gonna be talking about the book The Prey of Gods by Nikki Draden. Then we will resume our Young Avengers adventures with Style Over Substance. Then we will have a very special interview, another one. Surprise guest!
1: Everybody's gonna like it. It's gonna be great. I think so too. <laughs> We hope you liked our ever after episode if you have specific fairy tale retellings that you like we would love to hear about them
0: we would really really love it me specifically let's not pretend renee it's gonna be i who will devour everything
1: if you'd like to support our show you can follow us on patreon our lovely patrons made this episode possible and we appreciate all of them very much
0: our show art is by ira and our music is by chick beats and boxcat games
1: Fangirl Happy Hour's transcripts are by Susan. You can find all available transcripts at FangirlHappyHour.com.
0: You can chat with us on Twitter at Fangirl or via our personal accounts at BookSmugglers and at Renee.
1: Have a snack, drink some water, and go leave us some recs of stuff you loved at our handy rec form at com slash rec dash headquarters.
0: And if you absolutely need to come up with a secret identity, please don't name yourself After your dead mother, who everybody knows. That's a dead giveaway.
1: (laughs) Thanks for listening, Space Bees.
0: See you next episode. should watch the last jedi and talk about it on the on the podcast
1: <laughs> speaking of order <laughs> okay what's that from i can feel it in my nuggets
0: it's from surf zap it's chicken joe is the name of the character and he it's a chicken and he walks around and is like i can feel it in my nuggets it's the greatest movie
1: okay hold on Cody!
0: I can put it in my nuggets.
1: You've been making that reference this whole time, (laughs) and I have had no clue what you're talking about because I've never even heard of this movie. Do we love? Do we love this movie? Yes, we do.
0: Mm, More or less.
1: What do you mean, more or less? I'm joking. You're fired.
0: making a comeback to fangirl happy hour on his stomach that or who or whom
1: who i would say who but then again i have rural southern grammar